I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's episode. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is Live Mike. Episode 50 today, halfway to 100, a milestone. That's not so bad. Uh, we'll keep tru- trucking along, though. Uh, plenty of more episodes in front of us. Remember, it was uh, 8,000 some odd uh, episodes uh, delivered to you on these airwaves by Doug Rice. So uh, while 50 feels like a milestone for us, we do have a long way to go before we are in the same conversation as the great Doug Wright. Uh, we're going to cover a lot of ground. On today's program, we're going to take a look uh, at some of the interesting facets uh, leading up to Super Tuesday later on in the program. I'm going to introduce you to the spouses and significant others of the candidates, specifically the Democratic candidates who are tonight competing against each other in a debate in South Carolina. Uh, we'll get a little look ahead at that. We later on in the program are going to talk about uh, a handful of bills uh, which were defeated up on Utah's Capitol Hill dealing with uh, gun restrictions. Uh, there are some interesting arguments on both sides of those three bills. We're going to break those down later on. We're also going to get an update from the Herrings who uh, are each uh, remember this this couple, Melanie and John Herring, uh, a couple of Utahns, a married couple from Tooele County. They went on vacation. They were on a cruise ship. Someone on that cruise ship came down with the coronavirus, and that uh, uh, led to a quarantine. John Herring has tested positive for the coronavirus. He remains in quarantine in a hospital in Japan, while his wife, Melanie, is at Travis Air Force Base in California uh, in quarantine herself. We're going to touch base with them, uh, get the very latest. Uh, But before we get to all that, we're going to touch on a fascinating topic which has had my attention since we first spoke to Utah Senator Deidre Henderson. She has this piece of legislation which would change the legal nature of uh, the practice of uh, bigamy or polygamy here in the state. It, in effect, would lower the penalty uh, for bigamy from what it is now, a felony, to an infraction. There are some added elements to her legislation which would enhance the penalties for other crimes committed in conjunction uh, with uh, polygamy. Uh, But the main focus here and what has caught the attention of uh, the reporters and television stations and radio and newspapers around the country is the idea that here in Utah, uh, we would significantly drop the penalty for engaging in the practice of polygamy. Now, we have followed this piece of legislation as it has made its way through the regular order of Utah's legislature. We saw it first debated and voted upon unanimously twice in Senate committee. It then was presented for a vote before the full Senate here on Utah's Capitol Hill, and unanimously it was supported. Uh, 
Next stop, uh, and the most recent stop, of course, has been before a House committee, where it again was voted unanimously in favor. There were a few folks that were absent uh, from each of those respective votes, but no one, not a single legislator, uh, has yet to vote against this measure. Before we get to this next conversation, I've invited under the program a professor from Brown University, uh, Dr. Rose McDermott, is going to speak to us in just a moment. But let me set the stage uh, and, in her own words, allow you to hear from the senator describing uh, her piece of legislation. She spoke to us uh, in la- last month uh, and described this piece of legislation. Here is Senator Deidre Henderson describing uh, HB 102. Senate Bill 102 essentially does four things. It reclassifies the crime of bigamy from a felony to an infraction. It classifies bigamy as a third degree felony if the person is marrying under false pretenses. It classifies threatening or coercing someone to enter into a bigamous relationship as a third degree felony. It classifies bigamy as a second degree felony if the person also commits a felony offense of criminal homicide, kidnapping, trafficking and smuggling, sexual offenses, child abuse, child abandonment, abuse, neglect, or exploitation of a vulnerable adult, child abuse, homicide, sexual battery, and criminal non-support. And I want to make it very clear on the record that child bigamy involving anyone under the age of 18, as outlined in 76-7-101.5, remains untouched and is still on the books as a second-degree felony. That, again, Senator Deidre Henderson explaining her piece of legislation, uh, which would lower the penalty for bigamy here in the state of Utah from a felony to an infraction. I let you know that it has been unanimously supported each stop along its legislative journey so far. Uh, Last two stops remaining, a vote in the House and then on to the desk uh, of Governor Gary Herbert. Uh, Not everyone supports this. While it seems like the legislators here in Utah support it, uh, I refuse to believe that this is a unanimously supported idea uh, beyond the legislature. Uh, Not too long ago, there was published in the Deseret News an opinion piece uh, by a former professor of mine, uh, Valerie. Valerie Hudson, she used to teach at Brigham Young University, again, a professor of mine when I was studying political science. She's since moved on to Texas A&M University, and her opinion piece essentially was uh, posing the question, have the lawmakers done their homework? And within that piece, reference is made to the research done by my next guest, Professor Rose McDermott, who joins me now from Brown University. Professor, how are you? Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you. Let me let me first uh, uh, ask you very simply, how do you respond to this piece of legislation? What's your reaction initially? Um, well, my sense is that it's quite destructive to decriminalize um, polygamy legislation. Um, and I was involved in a case that the Canadian government did in 2011 where they adjudicated the question of whether to legalize polygamy there and as a result of the legislation they upheld the prohibition um, precisely on the grounds that the harms that resulted to women and children um, were outweighed any potential benefits that might result and they upheld the law and um, I presented a um, uh, testimony related to statistical data I have from around the world that I've been conducting for some 20 odd years, including in the United States, um, about the negative consequences that result from um, high rates of polygamy. Well, what are some of those uh, banner consequences? What are the bigger things that we may be overlooking here in the state? 
Well, um, we were able to document um, a, a couple of dozen downstream consequences that are highly um, uh, correlated, uh, actually statistically significantly correlated with rates of polygamy, including things like um, decreased age of marriage in girls, um, higher rates of uh, birth, especially in young girls between 15 and 19, um, lower rates of education for both boys and girls, um, including lower rates of secondary education for boys, higher rates of sex trafficking, higher rates of HIV infection, um, uh, lower interbirth intervals, meaning less space between when you have children. And the reason that's concerning is because it raises risks of birth defects in children. Um, and there's a number of other consequences. But um, to the current legislation, I think one of the other things that's important for uh, Utah legislators to consider relates to the financial aspects of how this affects things like welfare fraud and, t and the tax code and um, other consequences that result from uh, children not having the same kind of legal status. I guess so in order for the math to work, you basically are kicking out half of the boys in a community around the time of puberty. And what that means is they're tossed out into the community without any social support, without any education, and they typically become either wards of the criminal justice system or wards of the welfare state. And that essentially constitutes a financial tax on the rest of the community to try and support uh, these boys who need to be evicted from these communities in order to sustain a math where you know, a single man has access to a number of young women. Right. Uh, Professor Hudson uses that, uses the phrase cruel arithmetic in her Deseret News piece. Uh, I need to take a break here real quick, but if you don't mind, please hang on. I want to ask you a few more questions. I also want to share with you some of the words from the senator behind this effort and get your response to her rationale for supporting and pushing uh, for this legislation. That's all coming up next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.